Hey, I'm Corey. And I'm Lori. And this is the Nourish Circle Podcast. Join the band as we gather in our Nourish Circle and talk all things weight-inclusive, haze, non-diet, and whatever else is nourishing us. This episode is sponsored in partnership with the Weight Neutral for Diabetes Care Symposium. The Weight Neutral for Diabetes Care Symposium is an online training to truly help professionals learn about the intersections of diabetes, disordered eating, stigma, and health behaviors. It will offer all health professionals who work in diabetes care a chance to explore a weight-neutral approach and how this paradigm offers effective care and treatment for patients. The symposium focuses on the intersections of weight stigma, diabetes, eating disorders, and more. Learn and connect with the 16 speakers from around the world who will accelerate your understanding of the nuances and intersection between counseling, diabetes, and weight neutral care. See show notes for a link to the www.wn4dcsymposium.com. CEU credits are also available. So today we're talking to Paige Smathers. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist in private practice and a podcaster for the Nutrition Matters podcast, whose work revolves around helping people heal the relationships with food and their body. She specializes in chronic dieting, addiction recovery nutrition, eating disorders, and family feeding dynamics. In her spare time, she can be found exploring the outdoors and making delicious food with her husband, two young daughters, and her dog named Boone. She is the owner of Positive Nutrition, which provides individual nutrition therapy, online courses, and mentorship and coaching for professionals. Follow her on Instagram and Facebook for more food for thought. Links are in the show notes. In this episode, we talked to Paige about her own nutrition journey and how that guided her to her current work. And of course, in nutrition, there's a lot of talk about nuances. And so we asked Paige to comment on in dietetics and in nutrition, what is important for us to be aware of in terms of nuances. And if you haven't followed Paige's social media, we highly recommend it because Paige is keeping it real on social media. So we talked a little bit about how Paige has sort of set up her brand in a way and what that means to Paige. And then, of course, we talked a little bit about what is nourishing Paige, our frequent question to all of our guests. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Nurse Circle. Hi, Paige. Hi. Thank you so much for joining Corey and I today. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're so excited too. I'm kind of a dork because when we were um, coming up with names and stuff, I was like, okay, there's this person. I listen to her podcast and I follow her on social and I'm just going to (laughs) ask. And that was you. So, oh, I'm honored you'd think of me. This is so fun. I love doing this. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're so new at it. We're starting to love it. I'm not sure we loved it right from the very beginning, Corey. Do you think? Oh, you know, like anything, we have days where we love it and we have days where like editing. Ugh. Yeah. Once you release it, I feel like you'll start hearing yes. feedback and it'll be fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Let us know of any privileges that you would like to talk about and any approaches or paradigms to your practice that you'd like to share before we get into everything else. Sure. I appreciate you starting that way. Um, definitely like always learning about this and always trying to 
talk about these topics in ways that are as inclusive and helpful as possible. So definitely acknowledging your privilege is a huge part of just kind of saying, hey, I, this is my perspective and this is how I'm approaching this, but I also recognize mm -hmm. I don't have every experience and in fact, I have a lot of privilege. So um, yeah, so my, my privileges are, I'm like, you know, the classic dietitian, basically in terms of just, you know, what am I trying to say here? In terms of the fact that, you know, I'm white, I'm young, I am um, conventionally like a thinner build, you know, so when I speak about nutrition, I totally recognize and honor that people may take me a little bit differently than they may take someone else in a different size body or even with different color skin or a different sexual orientation, right? So, or even different, you know, upbringing. I mean, I was raised in um, the Bay Area of California. I currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah. So um, there's a lot of parts of, of who I am that kind of give me a lot of privilege in being able to talk about this stuff. And I, I like to recognize that I don't have every experience and I'm always learning. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's always nice to get to know who we're talking to on a on a different level that we're not always used to talking about. So thank you for sharing that with us. And to add to that page, we're just wondering, because you're such an awesome intuitive dietitian, just, I mean, you can easily tell that looking at your Instagram about your journey have you you know have you always kind of identified as an intuitive dietitian and then just kind of fell on what that meant and so can you just guide us through what that journey has looked like for you and how it's led you to doing the work you're doing right now yeah so actually when you were just asking me about privilege and i said i'm kind of a classic dietitian i kind of cringed because i was like wait that's true in some ways and not true in a lot of ways and mm -hmm. so um I, you know, the classic dietitian typically gets uh, categorized as a very type A person, detail-oriented, very structured, very rigid, very, like, perfectionist. Um, that element of, of the typical or the stereotypical dietitian, that's just really not me. That never has been me. Um, part of it's just the way I was raised. I was raised by divorced parents, and so there was never anything consistent about my life. You know, one rule at one house was was a rule there, and not a rule at the other. Um, there wasn't just one way of doing things. I got to see lots of different ways of doing things because I had four parents who raised me. Um, so, in other words, I've always just sort of identified as someone who's just like kind of like in the middle and not super extreme one way, or the, one way or the other, kind of can see both sides, kind of can build bridges. So that's sort of who I am as a person and who I've kind of always been and identified as. Um, and, and so with, with the whole question of how did I become an intuitive eating dietitian, uh, I, I definitely went into nutrition thinking that I was going to learn the perfect way to eat. Um, I don't know if any of you can relate to that. <laughs> I think like, we all can, can we? Yeah, yeah. That naive thought of, oh, if I just learn enough, then, I'll, then I won't have this issue or that struggle or that question anymore. And the more I learned about nutrition, the more I realized, whoa, this is totally not what I thought it was. And I'm finding myself actually relaxed 
thing about food, the more I learn about the science. And so I always tell people that I, I kind of came to intuitive eating intuitively, where I, the more I learned about um, nutrition and the science of it, the, and then the more I experimented on my own self with my own relationship with food, the more I came to realize, wow, um, enjoying my food is a really, really big deal, a really big part of like what, what's important to me. Um, honoring my body when it tells me I'm hungry and I'm full is a really important thing for me. Uh, not getting too rigid about rules is actually really, really helpful for me to be able to tune into what I need. So I, I kind of discovered this and came to this maybe kind of more in my schooling. And then I became a dietitian and realized how uptight dietitians can be. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm the one that's eating the cookie at lunch. Like, whatever, judge me. I don't care. And then I got, I, I ended up in the outpatient setting at a local hospital um, here in Salt Lake City. And I started doing counseling. And of course, I picked up the book Intuitive Eating. And I, I started reading that and thought, whoa, this is, this is what I have been doing and what I've been teaching um, my patients and clients up to this point, but how cool. And, and I've obviously I've learned a ton from Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch with their work. Um, but it's kind of cool because I really did sort of feel like I was this rebel kind of rogue dietitian who's like not, not pushing like the classic things dietitians push and just kind of saying, Hey, your mental health matters too. And, and then to see that other dietitians were doing this and therapists and just kind of having my whole world opened into this whole intuitive eating kind of health at every size space, it has been so fun because now I don't feel like it's just me. Isn't that so cool? I was the same when I first read the book. I was like, it's actually a thing. It's not just yeah. my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the thing that's backed up by science too, which is so cool. It's not just like, oh, this sounds good, or like rainbows and butterflies, let's make ourselves feel better. It's, it's actually like really scientifically sound, which is really cool too. Which I think goes with that dietitian kind of, I guess, when you talked a little bit about the typical dietitian, like we, we do like that science-based background and, um, and the evidence, like it's evidence-based. It's so cool that way. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, I think to be an ethical provider, you have to care about science and making sure that your recommendations are evidence-based, but something about like calorie counting and, you know, putting people on a diet and then having them come back to you with tears in their eyes, feeling like a total failure over and over again, something about that was like, this just can't be, this can't be what this is. This cannot be evidence-based and ethical and good for people. So... Now, I think a lot of us have had that same kind of feeling, like those of us working in this area. Yes. And it, I, what I, you know, always have to remind myself is that not everyone's there because sometimes I feel after you've been practicing for a few years, this approach, you just don't understand why everybody else doesn't get this because you, you've seen both sides and even the transition. So I'm just curious how, how you manage that when you're talking to colleagues, friends, family, um, clients on, on how you just keep, keep that compassion? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, maybe one of the questions I get most often from other dietitians, and then also even from my clients who will say, wow, this is so life-changing and helpful, and I'm loving it, but my family doesn't understand, and I don't know how to explain it to them, and how do I deal with that, right? So there's, there's a lot of struggle of 
sort of trying to communicate this message, but also kind of keeping yourself safe, if you will, in the process, because people are steeped in diet culture and they don't even recognize, you know, what they might be saying might be completely unhelpful or triggering or, you know, really difficult for someone on the other side to hear. So really common question. And here's how I personally like to like to think about this. So I like to explain to my clients that even though this is what I do for a living and I talk about this stuff all the time and it's what I do for work, I still struggle when I'm in a social setting with others, um, especially if it's not work related, if it's just with like neighbors or friends or family, I struggle to just, you know, kind of say, like explain this whole entire paradigm without just saying, okay, do you have two hours? Let's sit down. I'll explain this to you. (laughs) You know, how do you explain this in a way that they're going to walk away feeling like they understand it and where you feel like you've been able to explain yourself. So what I like to think about is a, it's really hard for me, even though this is what I do for a living. And I, you know, I'm not trying to boast or brag, but like, I think I'm pretty good at it. Like I've, I've been doing this for a little while and I've learned a lot and, you know, I felt pretty confident in my ability to explain things. However, it's just tough in a social setting. So I like mm-hmm. to kind of normalize that. Then I like to talk about how sometimes it's helpful to look at yourself first and to try to understand what part of me feels the need to feel validated understood or um, like people get what I'm doing. What, why do I need that? And sometimes that can give you some insight. You can say, well, this is all so new to me. So I just feel like I would feel more grounded in it if I had the blessing of, you know, my dad or my best friend, or if they, they really understood me and were doing the same thing or thought about it the same way, that would help me feel more secure. So just understanding that about yourself can help you go into those types of situations a little bit more skillfully, where then you're able to say, all right, ideally, I would love a little bit of validation, but I also know that maybe that's not possible for people who are very steeped in diet culture, and maybe that's not a realistic expectation. So instead of expecting that and getting really disappointed, can I recognize that that's something that I need? I need validation. I need support. I need to be understood is there a way I can offer that to myself? Um, And that's really hard if you're new to this stuff. It's really hard to be offering yourself validation when maybe you're not sure how you even feel or what your truth even is. So then that begs the question, can you explore your truth? Can you explore yourself? Can you explore this a little bit? Maybe you sit down and write your own little manifesto of how you want to treat yourself and why and and what you're doing here. you know, so that you can kind of come back to this sense of, well, that's, that's where they are. And this is where I am. This is my truth. Um, And then beyond that, when you actually are in this, in the situations where you're trying to explain um, intuitive eating, let's say, to someone who doesn't quite get it, or who you're not sure will get it. I think it's also just really helpful to kind of say, have little things prepared to say that sort of send the message of what you're doing So for example, you could say, you know, I'm just working on being the healthiest and happiest version of myself. And then they they might say, well, tell me more about that. What does that mean? And you can say, you know what? I'm still figuring that out. I'll let you know when I have a better answer, you know, and there are ways to engage with people about this stuff without having to feel like, okay, let's just sit down and talk for two hours about this really in-depth thing that maybe I'm still 
trying to figure out what it means. And instead, just kind of keep it open-ended. Like, I'm still figuring it out. I'll let you know when I have some answers. But, you know, I'm, I'm just working on being the healthiest version of myself. You know, something like that. How does that, how does that sound? What are your questions about that? Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful, so meaningful. And there was so much practical tips there for whether someone's a nutrition professional working with their client, or even if this is a client listening. Um, thank you for that. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. me too. I currently have been doing that. Oh, I'm just going to walk away now. <laughs> Your answer is much better than mine. <laughs> um, no, I thought that was so well said. And I think it's um, a conversation that we can, I think, start having earlier with clients. Because um, when they're trying, I find, and you might find this as well, Pedro, you might find something totally different. But I find when people start kind of working in this, they jump full in mm-hmm. um, and, and do feel the need to give the two-hour version. And the, um, but, but come join me and everything. And then find it themselves getting a little um, disoriented or put off when people don't get it right away because like you said they're still figuring it out too and I really liked your suggestion of just kind of saying you know I'm figuring it out and when I'm more secure in that we can talk I really appreciated that thanks and I think I think it's this natural thing that we have and when we recognize oh I just want validation oh I want somebody to understand me I think, I think that helps to clarify and, and also helps you to prioritize. Is this mm-hmm. person who I can expect them to understand me or is this a person who I'm pretty sure just won't no matter what I say? And or like can I offer myself what I need, you know, and, and then regardless of what other people do, I, I still have my needs met. That's like a really, that requires a lot of mindfulness, a lot of like connection to yourself and like trust and honoring who you are. And I mean, it's, it's hard, it's messy, but, um, but I find that's just so much more helpful than feeling this need to like, I, I'm going to use some religious terminology. Cause to me, it kind of, it's, it has religious undertones like, Oh, I need to go convert my friends and family, or I need to like, yeah. um, you know, evangelize this perspective. Like it just feels a little bit like that. And I find when we, when we approach our friends and family from this, like I'm wrong or I have like moral superiority because I figured this out and you're, you're, I'm right. You're wrong kind of thing. I think people listen to us. So that's another thing to kind of check in yourself is like, what are your reasons for wanting to explain this? Is it validation or is it to convert people around you? Is it to evangelize? And just what, what reaction can you expect from other people when you're approaching conversations with that? sort of more offensive front. Oh, I love that. Because I, I 100% agree. I think sometimes we, um, and I think I've done this myself, I get a little too telling um, as opposed to inviting um, because I just I want people to know and, and it does come off as a little more telling. Um, but I also love the way you said it's messy. I, I just find it's just everything's messy, but parenting and living in this paradigm and working in it and trying to um, share messaging as well as kind of being my authentic self. I do just find the whole thing messy and I'm always learning and growing with it. I'm with you on that hundred percent. It's so messy, but anything meaningful is right. Yes, for sure. Cause Lori and I, we keep having this conversation about balance and I'm like, well, whatever is balance is always going to be messy. Like, cause if once you clean one mess up then something else gets messy. Yes. 
So true. Yes. <laughs> so you just yeah. have to be balanced with the messy. <laughs> yeah. You need equal distribution of the piles. I heard someone say, and I love this. I wish I could give credit, but I heard someone say that um, mental health, like I know this might sound like I'm changing the subject, but I'm not. So mental health, the way that they assess whether or not they're in a good place with their mental health is like if they're if there was a scale of one to ten, ten being like amazing and one being not great, they they call it good when they're at like a seven point eight on that scale. And ever since someone told me that, I've just thought about that. Like how true is that? Where honestly, if you're a ten out of ten on the mental health spectrum, like that's manic, right? Like that's not necessarily like healthy or good. Um, and so when we're talking about balance, can we, can we think about that same idea? Like on the scale of one to 10, 10 being super balanced and one being terribly balanced, not balanced at all. Can I aim for like a 7.8, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like too balanced is not good either. Because no, sometimes I, balance means not balanced, right? Mm -hmm. I'm shooting for a six, I think. <laughs> I love that there was a decimal point for some like. I know, right? I, I, I seven point eight. Just yeah, that's. And if I think about that of being in school, oh no, you better believe I was like aiming for you know ninety percent or above. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, just in regular messy life, it's like yeah, like good enough is good enough. That's okay. Yeah, it's kind of like those days. Well, you live in Utah, so you probably experienced snow pants as well. It's those days where you get your kids out the door in my world with snow pants on and boots on to go to school. It's like we might be not matching in mitts, and someone's lunch is only half packed, but hey, no this is good enough for a lot to ask the parents. That's all. Oh, it is. And then, like asking your kids to for sure bring no, all that home. Never, like, never happens. <laughs> Sorry, that was my trauma this morning. I was trying to get everyone out the door. Oh, I'm with you. So. So kind of just building on everything you've talked about already, um, one of the things I have found personally most fascinating and um, drawn into is when you start to talk a lot about nuance um, on your podcast and in your writing. Um, and I, I spun off um, a couple writing things about it as well after um, listening to you talk about it so much because I think nuance when we talk about nutrition and eating and intuitive eating and mindfulness is so, so important. So I was wondering if you could define what nuance means to you for us and um, why you think it's important for us to be aware of it in our dietetic professions. Yeah, great question. So um, this has so much personal meaning to me that I actually haven't been at all open to open about publicly, but there's been some things in my life that have kind of forced me to like look at, look at things a little bit better and kind of discover some gray areas where maybe things aren't black and white. Maybe there is, um, somewhere in the middle that I can find that's, that's scarier and messier and maybe a lot harder, but also in the end bring, brings a lot more peace. So, um, so I've worked on this so much on a personal level over the years and, I, I often find myself bringing it into bringing the concept of nuance or messiness into my nutrition therapy sessions with my clients where, you know, yeah, like it's true that we want to, we want to eat fiber, you know, from a nutrition perspective, fiber is a great thing, but also new, like looking at the nuance of that is also critical for us to be able to actually implement that recommendation in a practical, reasonable way. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, a lot of my clients, which I'm sure is similar to yours, a lot of them are coming to me pretty hyper-focused on nutrition and reading everything and being gung-ho, perfectionist, kind of rigid about any one thing that they see. So I'm trying to get them to practice a little bit of nuanced thinking um, where, yes, it's good to get fiber, but also there is such a thing as too much fiber. And, oh, you're going to the bathroom multiple times a day and you have lots of bloating and cramping going on. Okay, that's what's going on there. And yeah, vegetables are great, but also like nuance matters when you talk about any nutrition recommendation, because if you take it at face value, you know, you're going to, you're actually not going to be promoting health. So I, I'm trying to get people and my clients and, you know, anybody who wants to follow along my little corner of the internet, I'm trying to help people see that they're really, it's very hard to have absolute statements in the realm of nutrition and in the realm of self-care because context matters, nuance matters, messiness is going to be a part of all of this. And if we can get into the habit of kind of creating a bit of a gap in between our, the things that, that happen, our stimuli in our life, and then how we respond to them um, and kind of just critically look at things be able to scary and yeah you're kind of letting go of rigidity but it's also it opens the whole world to you and I, I personally I love talking about nutrition because it gives you this sort of window into more abstract and maybe even more important things in life where you know nutrition make you have to you have to eat so you have to work on and practice nutrition every single day of your life and so you might as well use it to kind of learn more about yourself, learn more about life, learn more about your values and how you want to live. And to me, I, you know, that nuanced thinking has, is, is a big part of a happy, peaceful life, even though it can be really scary to embrace. So that's kind of the general idea of, of what I was going for there, sort of starting a bit of a, a bit of a theme of, hey, let's talk about exercise, but let's look at the nuanced perspective within this this very somewhat black and white thing that people often the black and white way that people often talk about exercise or fiber or vitamins and minerals or you know meal planning or whatever it might be so or even body positivity right like nuance nuance matters with body positivity too so that's kind of where I was coming from does that Oh, that was so awesome because for me, um, it actually, um, you're talking about it kind of inspired me to talk personally about, um, I have Crohn's disease and the way I eat post-surgery and on medications and having to like manipulate fiber throughout my day because I can't do it um, multiple meals in a row or kind of maneuvering how I eat um, to be able to go out. And it was kind of like, I'm still doing what's taking care of me personally talking about it made me be less kind of really with myself um and it's something that I've worked on for a long time and it kind of didn't pull together my brain until you start talking about nuance in your work so yeah so I wanted to say thank you oh that means so much to me thank you so much for sharing that with me yeah and I have to follow that because I'm currently going through that because I'm having some wicked food allergy issues Thank you, hormones, from having kids. And um, the, the nuance for me is exactly that. You know, I, I look at it as pedestal hopping. You know, you hop from this kind of uh, 
diet-centric approach to nutrition to sort of a health at every size, weight-inclusive, which I think is like this ever-evolving pedestal because you just keep learning. And now, you know, looking at food, I love food and I want to eat it, but at the same time when I eat it, I get reactions to it. And so it's, you know, I have to think, you know, reading Lori's post about that and then reading your stuff and watching some of the things you're posting, it's like, it's all clicking. Instead of dragging my feet now, I feel like, okay, this is about self-care and getting rid of those labels. Like that's bad food in that kind of allergy perspective. It just adds all these layers. So the nuance kind of gives us that opportunity to say, hey, we're going to keep going through this work too. So embrace that messiness and just dive right in and figure it out. Um, so thank you for that. Well, thanks. And just, just to add to that, um, I think where I see, and just for my, where I sit and my own lived experiences, sometimes what I see going on in our little corner of the world um, is, that, is that we put ourselves, you were saying pedestal hopping. I like that, that visual and that idea. We think of intuitive eating or health at every size or whatever it is. We think of it as it's, it's tough to not get caught up in thinking of these things as like checkboxes or like ways to like a rubric to decide whether or not you're doing something right or wrong. And, and I just constantly, I'm trying to help people take a step back and be like, wait a minute. The point of all of this stuff is to help you live your best life. And that's going to look different for Lori, for Corey, for Paige, for whoever's listening, right? So let's look at these frameworks as, as that. Let's look at them as a framework. And yes. then you are a human being with your own history and your own things going on for you. And then you can, you know, be continually learning and be open to, you know, changing your mind about things. But at the same time, you have to do the best with what you know. And there's, there's, we get into trouble when we're like, I want to be an intuitive eater. It's like, what is that? No, you just want to be you and intuitive yeah. eating can help you do that, you know? Yes. But I think it's that, that kind of thing that even clients get hung up on. And like you said, like the tick boxes of graduating, right? You know, oh, I figured it out. But I think that's something over the last year I've really spent a lot of time on is, is letting go figuring out because it's, you're never going to figure it out. It's just going to keep evolving and you're wow. always going to learn. And if someone calls you out on that, it's learning to be okay with that, that, oh, right. I haven't learned about that yet. You know, so this reminds me of parenthood <laughs> at the same time with me. We're like, oh yeah, my kid's sleeping through the night now. I'm like, oh, what does that even mean? Because the minute <laughs> I, I figured that one out, it changes. And now it's, you know, it, it's sleeping through the night one night and then two nights not, or I don't know. I'm not giving great examples here, but like the minute you think you have something figured out in parenting, it changes because kids are growing so fast that like you, you literally never figure anything out. No. Yeah. And it's <laughs> that's that's my opinion. learning curve ever. <laughs> it's just a straight up line of learning. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is too. Um, it's that whole, I think sometimes we, we think we need an end point, mm -hmm. very much diet culture, right? Like there's an end point. Um, but I think part of this conversation is there isn't an end point. We're always going to change. Our bodies are going to change. Our experiences change. Uh, what we learn changes and we need to be okay with that and evolve. And like, as you say, stay messy and go with it. Um, I think that's such a big, 
a big thing we can do as professionals and as just humans in general. Um, well, and that's something mindfulness has taught me right there. If I could encapsulate that in like a quick little phrase, it's the journey is the goal. You know, we get caught up in thinking like the, the destination is the goal, but like, first of all, there is no destination. It's called death. So no, no, that's not the goal. Right. (laughs) So, um, like, yeah, the journey is the reason for being here. It's the goal. And, and even goals versus values can be an interesting thing to talk about too. But, um, just kind of considering like, wait a minute, I'm doing the right thing. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because I'm on this journey and and that's it. That's all, that's all it needs to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I think, you know, from Lori and I both agreeing on, you are someone who just keeps it real. And, you know, I, I kind of assume part of, from what you told us a little bit about your earlier life, what, what has helped you to be able to do that from, like you said, with having four parents and being able to see different perspectives but can you talk a little bit about how, or is this something like you just feel comes so natural, but if you were to talk to a colleague who wants to learn how to be more go with the flow and keep it real in our profession, how, how would you suggest that to someone? What have you noticed in working with clients or working with colleagues on just how to show up and be your truth? Oh, first of all, thank you for saying that. And also it kind of feels weird to be like, okay, let me teach you how to be real because I have just got this all together. Um, but that's, that's actually really interesting feedback. I'm going to be, I'm going to just be able to, I'm just going to say that I'm going to be open to being imperfect with how I explain where I'm coming from with this. So feel free to ask questions, but here's how I approach things. And definitely I've experimented with, different approaches and different ways of talking and different sort of uh, how much of myself do I put out there? What does being me look like? Is that okay? Is that going to, you know, all of that stuff has come up for me for sure. It's not like I'm the world's most confident person, you know, but here's, here's kind of how I, I see things. I recognize that I'm, it's okay to make mistakes. So um, if in the process of me being myself, I make a mistake. I'm not going to be surprised because I've already been warned. Like that's part of life. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to be afraid of there. I also think, um, I I have gotten feedback, you know, from people through the years that, that say, Oh, it's, it feels like I'm sitting with you in the same room as you when I watch your Instagram stories or when I'm listening to your podcast. And I appreciate that about you. Um, I've also gotten lots of feedback from clients saying, wow, when you share that it's hard for you to talk about this with people in your personal life and that you're sometimes dumbfounded, um, that's helpful for me. So I've, I've gotten enough feedback to kind of be like, okay, it's, it's okay to be imperfect. People like that. Um, but I also, I also see like lots of other people doing lots of other great work who put off way more of a, I don't know if professional vibe is the right word, but just more of like a polished, like, here I am, here's what I do. I I don't show you any part of like who I am other than, you know, this quote or that uh, blog post or, you know, just kind of being a bit more um, closed off maybe. I don't know if that's the right word, but, and, and I think that that works too. So 
you always have to ask yourself cost benefit wise, like, is it worth putting myself out there a little bit and being a bit vulnerable? Because that sets you up for potentially people not liking that. Or are you just going to say, you know what, I'm, it's okay to make mistakes and it feels good to be myself, but I know, I know that I'm going to be sort of criticized for that at times and I'm okay with that. Um, to me, it just kind of seems like getting your head on straight about what you're trying to do and who you're trying to connect with and what your message is and just recognizing like if you get criticized or if people don't like you or if people unfollow you, like that's not, that's not because of anything you're doing. That's just because you're not the right fit for them. And being okay with that has, has made all the difference for me. Um, I will also share that just a couple of months ago, a friend of mine um, who follows me on my professional account too, she said, someone who just doesn't care what people think of you. And I was like, I was literally floored because I was like, wow, that's the perception you have of me? That's kind of cool. Because I, in my head, I don't feel that way. But getting that feedback made it so that I was like, okay, I'm doing something right, that I'm showing up and, and just being confident in who I am and my message. And even if I struggle internally, that's okay. I'm still, I'm still kind of putting out this vibe that like I'm cool with who I am and maybe I can work on that. Maybe I can get better at it. And I'd say ever since she told me that, like it has made a difference in me just being able to just be like, here I am, take me or leave me. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like you're more than welcome to, to go somewhere else if you don't like it, you know? Um, and I also recognize that those are the kinds of people I'm drawn to. I like people who, who know who they are and don't apologize for it. So I'm kind of working on that in my own, in my own way. I love that. I, that's what I think I've spent the last year or two doing is just trying to be me and get over it and not, not worry so much about um, what other people think of me. And I have found that in doing that, I've just become so much more confident in myself. So yeah, I, yeah when you live your truth, I think you, you, do just naturally start to get more confident because you're very grounded. At least I feel very grounded in who I am now. And maybe for the first 38 years of my life, I wasn't, <laughs> um, but now I'm feeling that way. So I think that's, I think that's cool. And um, a really good message to share. I think you're grounded in who you are, but you're also holding on to that, holding on to that truth, like not with a death grip, you know, where like I, I'm open to learning and changing and, my ideas is, is not my identity, you know? And, and I think that for me, that's a big part of feeling confident about who I am is knowing that, knowing that my identity is like sacred and intimate and part of me and it doesn't need to get threatened by what someone says, you know? And just kind of being like, we can disagree about ideas, we can disagree about any of this stuff and that doesn't change at all my my identity so separating that for me has also been helpful and kind of getting the courage to just kind of be out there and uh take the criticism and deal with the people who just don't like me you know yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean that's just always gonna happen and you know it's sort of what i i like about looking at it from not a self-help but a self-study perspective and I'm doing some yoga training, teacher training right now, and it's all about non-attachment. And, you know, that's the message I'm hearing from you is just, it's, it's just being you. And I see that with other colleagues and clients is if they haven't been modeled that from whoever raised them or whoever's around them, 
on just authentically being themselves, they have no idea how to do that. So there needs to be this space and have a coach, I think, you know, to give them that guidance of, of being okay to explore that and that it's always going to keep evolving. So um, it's just so reassuring to hear that from another colleague who, who just, that's the way you're living your life. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for asking a great question and helping me reflect. <laughs> Isn't that the nice thing about talking about your experience sometimes is you don't have a chance to always do that. Well, and it's also super interesting to, to hear feedback of, you know, reflected back to you and what, how other people are experiencing what you put out there. Cause so much of what I put out there um, other than my individual and group work with clients, like in person, so much of what I put out there is literally, I'm like looking at my own self as I'm recording a story for Instagram or I'm listening to my own voice and then pressing publish for my podcast. Weird thing to like put so much out there and then not always know how it's being received on the other side. So it's, it's always a cool experience to reflect on that. Yeah, it must be really, um, because you've done over 140 podcasts, I think right? Something yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and that's a lot of content that's mm-hmm. gone out into the world and to, to not get kind of that constant, I don't, maybe not even constant, but like a fairly steady stream of feedback, um, must be kind of interesting like that. Well, what worked, what didn't, or, um, you know, what, what kind of topics were resonating with people? Yeah. Just, all you can see is the stats, right? You're like, yeah. Oh, that one got downloaded a lot. Hmm. And I think you really only, the feedback you get are the, the extremes. You get the people who just love you and think what you're doing is so awesome. And then you get the people who, you know, think that you should just go crawl into a hole and die. I mean, whatever. People say crazy things. So, yes, they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a bizarre little world to be in. But also, I just have to, I just have to say back to your question, your very first question about privilege. It's like, I have this amazing privilege of connecting with people um, through a podcast and with that privilege comes, you know, a little bit of a cost of, of criticism and I just need to suck it up, <laughs> you know, at some point, just like get over yourself, you know, it's, it's fine. Nobody, not everybody needs to like you. No, it's so true. Um, but, and it's so right when you say, I think either the 1% at the bottom who have not lovely things to say or the 1% at the top that are just like, very gushing. Um, no one else in the middle really talks much. Yeah, exactly. Part of what's wrong with our world too, right? Yes, totally. Um, well, I think we always like to kind of, before we get into how people can just stay in touch with you, because obviously you're a super amazing human that everyone will want to, but obviously we know there's that 1% too, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but we, I appreciate that messy, messy statement. <laughs> you know, just embrace it. Yes. Um, that is something, you know, I've been talking to a therapist about is this addiction to attachment and um, approval and approval seeking. And I, you know, when, once I got into this work, I, you know, it's always, oh, you uncover something new about yourself. So thank goodness that I have that privilege to have an outlet for that as well. Um, especially when you're doing things that are very visible and public. So it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective because you've been doing this a little longer 
um, on how you manage that and perceive that. So that was really helpful. But we like to ask uh, people who chat with us, what is currently nourishing you right now? Is there something personally, professionally that you would share with us that you perceive as, as nourishing you right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, what nourishes me is feeling balanced. And I know some dietitians don't like that word because it can be kind of diety, but I just mean it. I just mean it in general. I'm just, it feeds my soul to feel like I'm able to work super hard at all these fun resources for people who, who want them and need them and to be able to kind of do this work that helps me personally, helps me professionally. Um, I feel like it's serving my community. Like that is so meaningful and nourishing to me. And it's so fun to have this sort of outlet for creativity with developing things like online courses and content for social media and also podcast episodes and writing. Like how cool is that, that that's my, my job. But then also creativity when I'm working one-on-one with a client or even in a group um, with my groups that I run it, the work I do is so nourishing to me. And then the fact that that work is balanced with, you know, just a really, really great life. Like I'm just grateful for a great life and I have two little girls and I live in a place that's so much fun to be outside. Um, All of that stuff really nourishes me. Um, The continued work and the continued learning, but also just the fact that I get to be a mom and I get to be a neighbor and I get to just be um, during the summer and spring. I love to garden, you know, just this, the kind of this, the regular mundane parts of life really nourish me right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So Paige, it's been so amazing to talk to you today. Um, Can you tell us and the audience where they can find you on social in any programs or anything that you're going to be running in the near future? Yeah, thank you so much too. So I my website is positive-nutrition.com and a couple things that might be interesting for people. Um, I, I blog kind of not always super reliably, but I have at this point, you know, quite a, quite a few blog posts. So that's just something people could check out there. Also, you mentioned my podcast. Um, it's called Nutrition Matters Podcast and you can find that pretty much wherever you get podcasts. And then um, I also offer uh, two online courses now, which is kind of fun. Uh, One is more geared toward healing your relationship with food. And then one is more geared toward understanding the actual science of nutrition. Because I see sort of two distinct types of clients. Some just really need to kind of dispel some myths about nutrition. And that is kind of what they need to be able to move forward with having a healthy approach to food. And then obviously there's, there's so much work to be done with folks who have struggled with chronic dieting and who just kind of really, really need to do some foundational work to kind of move away from dieting and to find that peace with food. So the one that's, that's geared towards healing your relationship with food is called Positive Nutrition for Life. And that course gets released on January 1st of 2019. And that one is, so all this is available on the Academy tab of my website. And then the other one about the science is called Positive Nutrition 101. And I co-teach that 
course with Jesse Hoffman, um, who has a PhD in nutrition and who is just months away from getting her dietitian um, registration all set up and official. So we go through some of the key elements of the science of nutrition that can be confusing or taken out of context, which I, I really love because as I told both of you, when I was in school, learning about the science was a huge, huge, huge help to me in really rejecting diet culture. So, um, so that's a lot of fun. And then I also am on Instagram mostly and kind of Facebook, but I, you know, Facebook is kind of, I, I get scared of it. So <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time on there and I'm super scared of Twitter. So I'm not on there either. Um, so I'm on Instagram at page smathers RD and then Facebook it's, uh, you can just look me up with the same, just if you search Paige Smathers RD, you'll find me there too. Cool. And I highly recommend Paige's Insta stories. They are so much fun. Oh, that's super nice of you. Oh, they are. <laughs> Sometimes they're so funny and some they're serious and they're just, it's fabulous. Sometimes it's dancing with my kids because yeah. I just like, they're so funny to me. And I know it's probably not as funny when you're not their parent, but anyway. No, they are because we laugh. <laughs> yeah, totally. We totally laugh. Uh, it's just, it's life. And I, I love, I just love how you're just you and everything about you is just, ugh, I would love to talk to you forever and ever, but I think we'll just all be, you'll be in our circle now and we'll just be Yay. best buds and keep supporting each other all throughout. So thank you so much for all your time and your wisdom and your messiness and your nuances and your truth. I've learned so much. So, so happy to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for all your feedback and support and encouragement and let's keep chatting because this was super fun. Yes. So good luck with your course launch. That's so exciting. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by our Join the Band Teespring store. Click the link in our show notes to check out our badass non-diet dietitian merchandise. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode.